What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, uh, hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. right here whoa he went out face first slid right across the mat and down onto the hardwood floor here into boston garden morales right out after oh. rammed him into that immovable railing surrounding the ring here well turn around is fair play i always say and morales continues the oh look at that mr right hand atomic drop oh look at that Rams right in the referee, Danny Davis. Looks like he knocked him silly. Davis is in another world. Oh, look at that. He nailed him with a cast, Ford. Yes, he did. He clotheslined him with a cast right across the throat. Referee never saw it. He's going to get him with it. Holy mackerel. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, brought to you today and powered by the IRW Network. Head on over to IRWNetwork.com and check out the brand new Triple Threat podcast featuring the franchise Shane Douglas and the two-man power trip of wrestling with brand new episodes being released every single Monday featuring hot topics, wrestling news, wrestling stories, and anything and everything on the mind of the franchise Shane Douglas. And it's only over at IRWNetwork.com. Again, every single Monday, join us on IRWNetwork.com for the Triple Threat Podcast. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, today, we welcome in a WWE Hall of Famer, somebody who is famously known for watching the back of one of the greatest heels in the history of professional wrestling as the ace Cowboy Bob Orton joins today's program, and Cowboy Bob, only a few short weeks after his brother Barry Orton, joined us for what was his first interview in many, many years, but it's Cowboy Bob who's going to be touring with our good buddies over at Captain's Corner, which of course you can find at freewebstore.com slash Captain's Corner for all their ticket information, but he's going to be going on somewhat of an old-school WWF loop as he's going to be appearing at New England Wrestling's Under the Stars events both on the 25th and 27th of August and in between stopping by Blitzkrieg Pro in Enfield, Connecticut for another night of just amazing wrestling action. And of course, whenever Cowboy Bob is going to be, the cast is not too far behind. And again, we want to thank the Captain's Corner for making this interview possible. But we want you to get over there, if you can, and check out the Captain Corner's page 
Again, it's freewebstore.com slash Captain's Corner, and you can order your tickets there today for the Cowboy Bob Orton appearances at NEW's Under the Stars and Blitzkrieg Pros events coming up the weekend of August 25th. But let's get into today's episode with Cowboy Bob Orton. Of course, obviously, we all know Cowboy Bob Orton, the father of the legend killer, the Viper, Randy Orton. And Randy Orton now a 13-time WWE champion, and obviously his bloodline runs pretty damn successfully as we've covered it, like I said, with Barrio, but the history dating back to Bob Orton Sr., carrying through to Bob Jr. and Barrio, and now Randy, and obviously all the Orton generations to come as well, I'm sure will be just as genetically inclined as the legend killer is, but it's all about Cowboy Bob today, and if you think about that WWF star era of the 80s where everybody was a larger-than-life character and all the great talents that came from the different territories, Cowboy Bob, another one who just fits so perfectly alongside the one and only Hall of Famer Rowdy Roddy Piper being his ace, his bodyguard, and having that just iconic cast on his arm was such a, a just a trademark part of that Federation era and the rock and wrestling connection. And Cowboy Bob always by the side of Hot Rod on a Piper's Pit, and we get into all that. But let's not even stray too far from the fact that Cowboy Bob was just on WWE TV as well with Randy Orton in the crowd there, and of course uh, kind of getting into it with Jinder Mahal and the Singh brothers, but it's just another chapter in the storied history of the Orton family, and we're going to get into so much with Cowboy Bob. So John, as I welcome you in here, Cowboy Bob, just another Hall of Famer to add to the list, but obviously one of the top heels that I think we ever could talk to. We've covered so many different aspects of his career. We talked about the different territories. We talked about Jim Crocker promotions in Mid-Atlantic, and we talked about what it was like in Georgia. We talked about all the great places he's been, but of course there's a huge focus on the WWF because we all remember it so well. But why don't you tell us a few more of the headlines, some of the highlights, and the moments we have to look forward to here in this great appearance of the ace, Cowboy Bob Orton. Yes, Chad, like you said, check out Captain's Corner for all the info on how you can meet the legendary Cowboy Bob Orton. Check out their Facebook page, go to the website, do whatever you have to do, get in touch with Nick, get out there and meet Cowboy Bob as he is one of the greatest workers and one of the most legitimate legends in the history of the wrestling business. And of course, when you're talking about our guest today, Cowboy Bob, so many people remember him for his days in the WWF, for his days working for Vincent Kennedy McMahon over there in the Fed, if you will. Obviously, so many people remember him with his relationship with the Rowdy One, the Hot Rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper, and a lot of people will remember the cast, if you will. Was it legit? Was it not legit? He wore that damn thing forever. You know, what was the deal with it? Well, we touch on everything in this interview. We go deep. We did, we're digging deep here, going into the Hot Rod Roddy Piper. We talk about his relationship, not only on the air, but off the air as well. Talk about their chemistry, how well they got along. We get some drinking stories, some partying stories. Get all the good stuff that you would imagine from those two and. Like I mentioned to the cowboy in the interview, those two on screen, you could just tell there was chemistry. You can just tell that they were buds. You can just tell that they meshed so well together. Cowboy Bob could cut a great promo when he wanted to, but he was was really good at that strong, silent type standing in the background, kind of doing those legendary Piper's Pit. And Piper was the guy running his mouth who had that, you know, extra bodyguard behind him to uh, cover his ass if need be so they just mesh well so perfectly together and you get some great stories about piper and about cowboy bob in this interview just absolutely love that relationship and being an old school fan you obviously you're going to remember wrestlemania one piper and orndorff with cowboy bob in the corner versus hulk hogan and mr t with snooka in their corner and of course the cast comes into play by accident hits Orndorf, and you know the story from there. Hulkamania ran wild with Mr. T. They ended up getting the win, but we do go into that as well. What he thought of WrestleMania, what he thought of Vince at the time. Did he think he was a crazy bastard for trying that thing out? Also, of course, 
with Cowboy Bob, there's not only the WWF stuff. We do go into Florida. We do talk a little NWA, a little JCP, a little Mid-Atlantic. Talk about his little mini feud with the Nietzsche boy, Ric Flair. And, of course, his awesome tag team with Dirty Dick Slater. There's so much good stuff that happened in his career. I mean, we talk about uh, Florida, North Carolina, Japan, and everywhere in between with him. Such a great career. We get some great Andre the Giant stories as well. Obviously, Andre the Giant known for being a pretty damn good drinker in his day and a a big-time drinker. And Cowboy Bob wasn't too much of a slack himself as far as uh, the drinking was concerned. So we do get into a little bit of drinking stories, a little bit of road stories as well. And, of course, what Cowboy Bob interview would be complete without talking about his son, the legend killer, well, formerly the legend killer, now the Viper, Randy Orton. He is a great worker, much like his father was, and a natural in the ring, much like, obviously, Cowboy Bob was. And, obviously, both being the sons of wrestlers, Cowboy Bob, obviously, Jr., his father was a great wrestler in his day, Bob Orton Sr., and obviously Randy taken after not only his grandfather, but his father as well, and just being a great tactician, great wrestler, great technical ability. Randy's got it all. Randy's the complete package, the third-generation star, but it's awesome to see Cowboy Bob kind of make his appearances over the years, whether it be involving the feud with The Undertaker, wrestling The Undertaker, being even involved lately with the Jinder Mahal storyline with uh, the Singh brothers and Jinder Mahal attacking Cowboy Bob. So always good to see Cowboy Bob, a legit legend, a legit icon in this business, one of the greatest workers in the history of wrestling. Great to see him back, and it's great to see that you know his son, Randy, ain't doing such a bad job carrying on the Orton legacy. Absolutely. And again, we want to thank Nick from Captain's Corner for making this interview possible with the ace cowboy Bob Orton. And again, you can check out Bob Orton at NEW's Under the Stars on Friday night, August 25th, and then at Blitzkrieg Pro on Saturday night, August 26th, and then closing out the weekend again with NEW Under the Stars on August 27th. And all the information can be found at Captain's Corner's Facebook page. And, of course, there's their website, which is freewebstore.com slash Captain's Corner. And, again, want to thank Nick and the crew for making this possible. And best of luck to everybody that weekend. So, John, now as we start to wrap it up, we want to remind you today's episode is brought to you by the IRW Network. And if you head on over to irwnetwork.com, you can catch the Triple Threat Podcast streaming brand new episodes every Monday featuring us and the franchise Shane Douglas rapping about all things political, all things current events, and all things professional wrestling, and of course, taking some amazing questions from the Ask Franchise Anything mailbag. You never know what we're going to talk about next, so tune in to the Triple Threat Podcast every Monday on irwnetwork.com. And while you're waiting for Monday to come around, check out the past episodes on IRW Network and hear about all the amazing topics we've discussed and all the amazing Ask Franchise Anything questions we've received. It's continuing to build, and it's going to get very big. So please check us out today and be on the ground floor of something very, very special. So, John, now as the music starts to creep in, Hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to the Hall of Famer, the one and only Cowboy Bob Orton. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. 
Follow along with a two-man power trip in 2017 as we come to a town near you. TMPT hits the road. September 9th, the Subway one-year anniversary in Keensburg, New Jersey with the hardcore icon Tommy Dreamer. October 21st, we hit the Legends of the Ring in New Jersey. November 4th, we hit the big event in New York City. And the big one, the granddaddy of them all, the big guy, Wrestlecade in North Carolina on 1125 with Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. There will be a Four Horsemen reunion for sure. So follow along with the two-man power trip as you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, a 2005 WWE Hall of Famer, the father of Randy Orton. He is the ace, the cowboy, one of the all-time greatest workers. He is Bob Orton Jr. Please enjoy. tonight is an absolute legend of professional wrestling, a guy who affectionately is known as the ace because he is a WWE Hall of Famer. He is a member of that legendary Orton family, and we are so honored to be joined by the one and only WWE Hall of Famer, Cowboy Bob Orton. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Oh, my pleasure. And, uh, Heck, I appreciate the build-up. You made me sound great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Cowboy Bob, having you on is going to be its an absolute uh, bucket list item for the two-man power trip. We've talked to so many of your contemporaries, so many guys that you worked with, whether it was in teams or matches or even your family. We talked to your, uh, to your brother very recently. But having you on means a lot to us. And asking this just as a longtime fan, and before I, I start getting into the pitch here for the shows we're promoting, I've got to ask you, how's the left forearm treating you these days? You know, not too bad. Not too bad. It gets well, and then it gets hurt again, and then it gets well. Right now it's feeling great. <laughs> That's the absolute fanboy question that I had to get out of the way, just because uh, when you think of Cowboy Bob, you think of the forearm, you think of the cast, but... If you want to see Cowboy Bob Orton, he's going to be going on one of those old-school-style WWF road trips as he's traveling through Massachusetts, New York, and Connecticut, first starting off on August 25th in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, for Northeast Wrestling, then heading down to Enfield, Connecticut, for Blitzkrieg Pro Wrestling, and then finally on August 27th in Wappinger Falls, New York, for Northeast Wrestling again. A busy weekend, to say the least, for Cowboy Bob. But like I said, it's almost like one of those old-school WWF road trips. Exactly like that. You learn to get in the car and go. <laughs> you know, these meet and greets, these, uh, these shows, especially these outdoor shows, you see a different kind of fan. You see the fan that's been watching for a long time. And obviously, when they come to see you, they're going to talk about all the memories, all the, uh, the fun times. But what do you love about meeting the fans? in this environment, because you were a bad guy, and we all come to you with all these great memories, but how is it meeting the fans in those uh, those kinds of meet-and-greet environments? Oh, it's fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> a little play on words. But, but no, it's great. You know, wrestling fans are, are, you know, I love them. They're the ones who kept us going for years and years and years, and they still are. So, so you know, anything I, thing I can do when I get out there, you know, and say hi to everybody, it, it makes you... Uh, I heck feel good, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and Nick from Captain's Corner, who you're going to be with for that entire weekend, is another great professional wrestling ambassador. He's always 
bringing guys, you know, up and down the East Coast and especially that area, that Connecticut, Massachusetts area, like we mentioned, such a big, you know, WWF hotspot, the Boston Garden, you know, New Haven, Connecticut, the Coliseum. So many great memories. Are there anything? Is there anything that really stands out to you about that New England area? You know, any matches in the Boston Garden that you remember? Any of those uh, quote, you know, those near riots that you guys experienced all the time from back then? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Piper and I had close calls. Boston was—they uh, were pretty good to us, though. You know, they loved us up there. I used to tell Randy about the building, you know, the old Boston Garden, that it was. Uh, uh, just such a nice place to wrestle, you know. It's like the fans were almost right on top of you. It was, it was just really a great place to go and uh, uh, perform. And of course, at that time, it was a monthly stop for you guys. Boston Garden, always in, you know, one of those big hot spots. Whether it was MSG or uh, down in uh, DC at the Capitol Center, but I don't know. You're right. The Boston Garden. I don't know. Something about that had a special feel. But I would love to have seen. Randy Orton, obviously, performing in the Boston Garden, but he's had some pretty special moments in the Boston area as well. But if you had a preference out of all those old-school arenas, do you have one? Is, would it be the Mecca? Would it be Madison Square Garden? Where do you kind of rank it those uh, old-school arenas? Garden. Madison Square Garden, Boston Garden, uh, San Francisco. Gosh, I forget the name of the building, but, but that was another place you really liked to go. Uh, Cow Palace Palace. was the name of it. But yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun going to those places. Dallas had a heck of a place, a reunion. No hall, but most of the places I wrestled at, uh, they've uh, changed the venue or they've torn it down and and built a new one and stuff. So when I go to these places, you know, it's like it's all brand new to me now. You know, it's just not the places I went. But the memories are still there, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And actually, uh, Cobo Hall just shut down uh, about two weekends ago. So there's another one off the list of the uh, the legendary That's venues good. that now is gone. Detroit? Yep. Was that Detroit? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, Cobo Hall. Yeah. I'll be darned. Yeah, yeah. Make room for the new. Yeah, those uh, those crazy new uh, arenas that they make. But still, you know, Madison Square Garden, to be fair, it's still the same uh, location, but just extensive, extensive renovations over the last couple years. And obviously, talking to you, Madison Square Garden, WrestleMania 1, we're going to talk about it. But and that's why I said to John before we got started here, i, I got to mention this because we talked to Paul Orndorff almost two years ago already, and this was the main question I had for him, and i, I got to ask you about it. The lead-up to WrestleMania 1, the public were the private workout that you had with me and Gene Okerlund, you, Piper, and Orndorff. There was a little altercation that occurred after the workout, and I got to ask you because you're the one who threw the first blow. Was that a legit beatdown on a passerby who just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time after that workout with me and Gene? Well, I've been hitting the head so many times. I vaguely remember some guy getting a little cute and maybe backhanding him or something. But uh, I think we was out on the sidewalk. I'm not sure. But I kind of remember that. But, you know, things that you would remember like that, you know, that stuff like that happened to us all the time. So, so you know, they kind of get, get uh, strewn together, and I can't remember exactly, you know, I've been hit in the head many, many times. I uh, <laughs> don't remember exactly you know, locales and stuff and some of the stuff that happened, but but, uh, but it seems like I remember smacking somebody. Oh, you smacked the crap out of somebody. You came literally at him with the cast across, and it wasn't a smack. It was a basically it was a clothesline. But this guy, this poor schlub, was just it looked like he was just walking by, <laughs> and me and Gene got pushed out the door. And you just gave the, and I watched it a half hour ago, so it's very fresh. But, I mean, you just gave this guy a club. So that was a regular occurrence for Piper, Orndorff, and Orton back in the day. Yeah, yeah, we had trouble a lot of places. We we had, there's a lot of times, you know, I'd say, Roddy, let's, let's try to get through these people. The cops would be hiding under the bleachers. And, you know, I couldn't blame them, you know. 
people were nuts. They've calmed down a little bit now. You know, it's not quite as bad, I don't think, now for the fellows, which is a good thing. You know, no lawsuits, nobody getting hurt. You know, that's the way it should be. We cannot we cannot forget those memories, though, but I guess with Piper, I mean, you guys, just, you know, as, as close as uh, thieves, you know, you two were just, you were tied one to the other. Do you have a favorite memory of Rowdy Roddy Piper? Obviously, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of personal ones, but some that the wrestling fans definitely would remember. You guys were absolutely uh, like peas and carrots. You went together so well. Perfect. The ace bodyguard for Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, just riding with Roddy all in years. You know, he was uh, never a dull moment, you know, always very entertaining, you know. So, so the trips were pretty quick, you know, listening to him all the way. And uh, I really had a great time. It was probably the best time of my life as far as the wrestling turned. So I really, I really enjoyed that time with Rod. Now, a lot of people will remember a ton of different things about your career. I mean, you literally have wrestled everywhere. But with the WWF, you kind of returned in 1984, like we're talking about with Roddy Piper, basically become you know his ace, his bodyguard. You were in that role. What was your relationship always like with Piper? Did you guys instantly gel, or was there always chemistry there, or, or did you guys take a while getting along? Uh, yeah, I had met him a year or two before that in uh... – uh, we were in North Carolina together, and, and uh, uh, worked a little bit uh, uh, with each other. So, so you know, it wasn't anything new. But uh, the bodyguard uh, thing and everything, you know, McMahon's idea, which was great, uh, uh, seemed to work pretty good. You know, heck, I enjoyed it. But, uh, no, Roddy was always real easy to get along with. Just the nicest fellow you'd ever want to meet. You know, I uh, still miss him. Miss him phone calls at midnight when he's on the road doing his, uh, his stick there with the uh, uh, comedy clubs and stuff. And he used to call every once in a while. And, and we'd talk for an hour or so. You know, really, really nice man. First-class fellow. And you could see your relationship with him on camera. It was like you guys were, like we said, for like thick as thieves. You guys were definitely buddies. You could see the awesome chemistry. What was it like doing the Piper's Pit with him? Was it hard almost sometimes to keep a straight face because he's so wacky and he's so funny? <laughs> oh, no, it was okay. You know, I was used to it. <laughs> but, no, it was a blast is what it was. You know, if I was going to describe it, I'd just say it was a blast. I didn't have to say anything. Roddy Roddy said enough for both of us. Yeah, with those legendary Piper's Pit, you know, he's got his big mouth. He's saying these great catchphrases or, you know, ripping on uh, certain guys or, you know, starting trouble. And you're just standing there perfectly cool. Like you said, he didn't have to say much. You're just standing in the background, kind of just playing it cool, being the bodyguard. Did you want to kind of say more or, or did you feel like that was the perfect role and Roddy was saying enough for the both of you? That was fine with me, and whatever they wanted to do was fine with me. You know, whatever Roddy wanted to do, I was good with. I'd like to say easy money, but it wasn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> we did have to hit the road, you know, and go through, find our way out of a lot of arenas. But, but you know, I got to say, I guess I'm, my age back then and everything, I guess I kind of liked it. Now, obviously, one of the big Piper's pits would be uh, when he attacked Jimmy Snooker with the coconut and things like that. But a big thing with Jimmy Snooker was you had a big major feud with him as well, and we kind of alluded to it earlier with the broken forearm and, you know, how does it feel today and stuff like that. But hit the, the forearm and wearing that cast, which so many people remember you for. I'm sure so many people ask you about it. But was that a legit cast or was that a work? The cast, oh, the cast started out real as it could be when uh, when my arm actually had healed. I devised a way to to keep wearing it because you know it was fun to wear it and knock people around with it, you know, which I used to enjoy knocking people around. And uh, the cast just made things a little easier. So no, hell, I tried to keep it on as long as I could. <laughs> <laughs> 
so many no, people. Yeah. I was going to say so many people remember you for that cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people do. That's that's the first thing a lot of people ask, you know, how's the arm? <laughs> and it's been a long time ago. You know, good memories. Now, what did it, like, all come from a legit injury? Like, you know, wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't a work for, for, for say, for the whole time, but was it legit that you had to wear it the whole time, or did you like it so much you'd just rather have kept it on? I just liked keeping it on. You know, once the bone <laughs> heals, it's healed. So, <laughs> yeah. But, but I just liked the idea of, uh, of wearing it. And it was fun. You know, people enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it, too. So no harm done, no harm, no foul. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure so many people probably ask you about, you know, the relationship with Piper, and I'm probably sure equal amount of people probably ask you about that cast. And obviously that cast played a big role in the first ever WrestleMania, obviously in the main event with Orndorff and Piper against Hogan and Mr. T, and that cast played a big decision in the finish. Did you think that WrestleMania was going to become as big as it has been, and obviously now uh, with WrestleMania still going on, coming up on WrestleMania 34? Well, we had actually hoped it would, and everybody was uh, a little nervous because I think that was uh, uh, where Vince really uh, took over the whole country with with the WrestleMania one, it was so big that, you know, from then there was no stopping him. You know, it was uh, fantastic. People received it very, very well. And, and uh, that was the beginning, you know, of, of what's been for, for many years, you know, a, a great, great uh, 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 event. So, so, yeah, but I think all his eggs were right in that one basket and, Everything worked out uh, great. You know, I got to do is look at the history. That was a huge moment, and then also another huge moment, of course, involving you and, and of course, the Hulkster as well. But NBC, the Saturday night's main event, the premiere show, got a huge rating. If that, you know, if that kind of would have flopped, that would have kind of looked bad as well. Obviously, if Mania flopped, that's a killer. But what are your thoughts on getting on NBC, the premiere show versus the Hulkster? Uh, you know. Uh, it was cool. You didn't get any bigger than Hulk. You know, back then he was the man, and and to be going up against him on on a venue of that size, uh, uh, heck, I don't know. You couldn't ask for any more. You know, it was, it was fantastic. Hulkster, arguably, you know, the biggest ever. But, you know, there's so many different names and guys that you wrestled, whether it be a Paul Orndorff or a Bruno Sammartino. But what about a guy like Andre the Giant? Was he, you know, was he tough to wrestle? Was he a bit ornery sometimes, you know, being how big and how strong that he was? <laughs> he was whatever he wanted to be. Uh, I wrestled Andre in the garden. And uh, uh, what a nice, nice time. You know, what a good man, uh uh, he dated my little sister for four or five oh, wow. years. I really liked Andre, but but uh, if, if Andre didn't want to be moved, he wouldn't go anywhere. That's for darn sure. But at the same time, you know, he was uh, he was a gentleman and a professional. You know, you don't have to worry about him squishing you too bad. So that was good because he certainly could have. Now, there's some stories out there saying, you know, he was a big-time drinker, like he could drink maybe 100 beers in a sitting. Is, is any of those stories true? Was, was he, in fact, like, you know, perhaps a, you know, legendary beer drinker? Yeah, yeah, he could put away some beer. He, he certainly could, and you wouldn't even know that he had a beer because his hands were so big you couldn't see the can. So you, <laughs> you never knew. I only knew if he was drinking or not. But no, Andre drank a lot of beer, but, but a lot of us did. But uh, with his size and everything, I guess he he drank more than me. Heck, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> that would probably be a pretty good uh, race there, because I used to put some away, too. 
<laughs> oh, I'm sure you and Piper, I'm sure you guys uh, put down quite a few. Yeah, yeah. yeah, not Ronnie so much. You know, I was the Heineken man. I drank a lot of beer. But uh, Roddy drove most of the time, so so I got to drinking. And, uh, and Roddy drove and talked. And boy, did he you know, did he like to talk. What was it like <laughs> wrestling Piper on the other side when you guys started feuding and had a, that major feud there? Was it any different kind of going the other way and actually wrestling with him? Oh, uh, the feel for it. I never really got the feel for it, so I guess it was a little harder, really. But, but because we were so close, but you know things change and times change, and you got to go in a different direction. But but I never did feel really good doing that. Yeah, something felt a little off about it because if you you know everything everyone remembers you guys teaming together and Piper Spit and everything. So it's always like you know it's like oh man I don't know if I like seeing these two guys feuding or these two guys wrestling because you know yeah I saw so much enjoyment and you guys were thick as thieves like we said before as far as being partners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of felt the same way. Maybe the fans did too. You know, it seemed like they kind of did. Now, you know, I could talk about so many different things in, in your career, but I wanted to bring up Randy. You know, we briefly mentioned him earlier. Obviously, we saw you a couple weeks ago getting beat up by uh, Ginger Mahal and, and the Singh brothers. Well, what's it like kind of coming back and forth a few times? And Obviously, you know, the Undertaker was a big-time few for you, but what, what was it like most recently with Ginger Mahal and uh, the Singh boys? Well, it was a lot of fun. You know, I didn't realize they were going to snatch me like that, but, you know, they did. I got over it. Uh, you know, it, it kind of surprised me, but, you know, being here at home and everything. But uh, the people really enjoyed it, and that's that's the main thing. Yeah, it was almost like we saw you in the crowd. We were like, uh-oh, I hope he gets involved here. And, and you kind of got involved without uh, without you realizing you were going to get involved. Yeah. <laughs> Surprised us. But, hey, you know, that's great. Very cool. Do you like kind of getting a call and, 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 you know, getting a call from whoever, maybe even Randy himself saying, hey, uh, would you mind uh, coming down to the show? Yeah, you know, we may use you, we may not. Um, you enjoy going back yeah, to the show sure. and watching Randy wrestle? Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure, I go, you know, every once in a while I'll go watch. Not, you know, not real often because I just don't get around, you know, around the country the way they do, of course. But, but you know, when they're in town here, you know, usually I'll go down and say hi to everybody. And, uh, stay and watch the matches, but but, you know, not very often. And then there's a lot of weekends I go and do stuff like I'm going to be doing up there, you know, the, a couple of weeks. And, and you know, that keeps me a little busy, you know, doing that kind of thing, which I really enjoy, too. You get to get out and meet the wrestling fan, you know, and, and shoot the bowl a little bit. So then I have a good time with it, just getting older and just trying to enjoy life. That's all. Absolutely, and you know, with Randy, it's everyone's like, how, you know, how did this guy get that good? You know, so quickly. You know, yeah, you know, must be in his genes and everything. And obviously, he's a third generation star. Your father, and then you, and then you push it down to Randy. He's probably, arguably, the best worker, arguably one of the best wrestlers in WWE today. Did you help train him and, and kind of teach him everything that he knows? Because you see a lot of Cowboy Bob in uh, in Randy. Well, a little bit of me, but uh, when he started, I, I of course, uh, I trained with him a little bit. And then, you know, I had some guys who who uh, I went through the moves and everything with him. But but you got to remember when he started, he was, when he finally went up to New York or, or the WWE, uh, not long after that, he got with Flair and... Uh, uh, Hunter, and when you're around guys like that, you know, at that young age when you're still kind of like a sponge and you absorb everything, 
and he's around a couple of the greatest that have ever been in the ring, you know, that rubs off. So so from the time that he started, you know, with me and I wasn't any slouch, uh, you know, I, I, I tried to teach him the right way to go. And then, you know, he went from me up there to Flair and Hunter, and uh, Stone Cold, I think, was still there at that time, and uh, Guerrero, you know, a lot of great guys to learn from. And and I think he get a, he got in on that that uh, that's the changing of the guards, I guess. So he got to see see the best from from the guys a little before him, and then he got to be around the best in in. Uh, uh, his error too at the same time, you know, with, with Blair and them guys getting ready to to get out, you know, as he was coming in. So it was pretty, you know, uh, like kind of fortunate, I guess is the right word. You just happened to be around them guys at, at uh, those times, you know, when they were willing to to uh, uh, share that knowledge. Because you know when you're in your heyday, you don't really share a whole lot of knowledge with a lot of people. But but when things you know you you start to wind down, you kind of want to teach folks you know uh, who's coming up behind you, especially somebody who who looks like they're going to make it. But also, so he, he learned from the, a lot of folks. Yeah, and he also had that blood, the Orton blood. I mean. That's got to be something because it does seem like he does. Obviously, you know, he learned from all those great guys, but he definitely has a lot of your traits. You know, he definitely has some of that Orton in him. And you were always known as a great worker. And I feel like he really has taken to that and he really, you know, became a great worker, much like yourself. Is that fulfilling for you where it's like, man, it's, you know, he, he, this guy, uh, you know, he caught on quick? Oh, sure. Sure. You know, I'm. I'm very, very proud of what he's accomplished, and and he's still young. He's got a few years left, <laughs> so who knows what he'll end up doing. Definitely, he's still uh, still a young guy, still uh, main eventing. You know, like last year at WrestleMania and things like that. But when you were able to team with him, and it's obviously you and him, you're wrestling The Undertaker, was that something special for you? Like, wow, you know, not only is he wrestling, and I, you know, I kind of helped him along, and, you know, he's my son, but you're also getting in the ring and teaming with him, too? Oh, it was great. It was great. I was like a little kid again. <laughs> you were better than half the uh, roster. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to say that. <laughs> But I can still move a little bit, you know. <laughs> what was it like against uh, a guy like The Undertaker, who obviously was just retired this past year? But, you know, it, it's kind of – he was kind of the guard after you, but it's interesting seeing him kind of retiring and obviously Randy playing a major part in a major feud in Undertaker's career. Well, I can tell you how it affected me is, is I'd be sleeping. Start hearing that music, you know, dum, dum. So, so you know, after you hear that every night, it, it's just like wow. But uh, that was an honor getting in the ring with the guy. He's one of the biggest they've ever had. You know, one of the biggest stars I think in wrestling is is the Undertaker. You know, he's probably in the top five, top ten for sure. So, so to be involved in something like that, you know. It, it was uh, great. You know, just just can't get over how good you know it makes a a guy feel. But you know what's interesting about that kind of that run in that mid two thousands that you guys were back to back literally when you did that uh, the Randy pose, but. You know, you look and see a guy like Flair was still active at the time, and even Hulk Hogan came back, and Randy had a SummerSlam match with Hogan and the countless Piper's Pit run-ins that Randy managed to have while Roddy would come in and out to do those special segments. Was that also fulfilling for you to see Randy interacting and working with three guys that played such a huge part in your you know, biggest pretty much time of your career? Oh, of course. Of course, you know it felt great. 
you know, I, there's not words to describe how good, you know, it makes you feel when you you see your your offspring doing so well. I got to say, though, I did uh, I did think that Randy possibly uh, should have hit an RKO on the Hulkster to, uh, to end that feud way back in 2006 already, but that's obviously that's a different story <laughs> for a different day. And we got to see the Hulkster run uh, roughshod through uh, another generation of Orton, but that was, uh, it was great for Randy back then. But there's one little thing, and we haven't even talked about Mid-Atlantic or Charlotte, because John and I are Northeast guys, so the WWE, WWF, that's our wheelhouse. And we just talked about it kind of in passing, but when you broke off from Roddy and you ended up joining up with Adrian Adonis, but we're teaming with Don Morocco, was that just another natural team for you? Because you guys most likely uh, running together as well uh, for many, many years, but making a perfect team of two bruisers really coming together and uh, kicking a lot of ass uh, in the process. Oh, yeah. It was a lot I love working with Adrian and Don. So, you know, they were both really classy guys, great performers. So you know, it was fun being involved with that kind of stuff. You know, but back then when you start to think about it, uh, you know, like now, it, it's a little different that we, uh, we didn't do quite so much uh, uh, high-risk stuff as they do today. But, you know, when you're involved with the best, it's always, you know, a lot of fun. So, yeah, I appreciated being around, you know, those guys and and uh, uh, working with them and and stuff, you know, just to see the things we'd come up with, you know, sometimes was was just fascinating. And to work in crowds the way we did, it, it was just, you know, it was like being in heaven. It, it was just fantastic. And you talk about high risk, but there was uh, many a nights where you did climb the ropes and you were one of the only guys who was going to the top and dropping that superplex. And at the time, really, were one of the only guys who could hit that kind of move and had that be the absolute finisher, the end of the match, the end of the night, turn out the lights, the party's over, being such a kind of innovator of that superplex. Was that something at the time that you felt would help you either stand out, or did you think that that was just, you know, the perfect ender for your matches? Oh, it was just a great finish, a great finishing move. I uh, uh, there was another fellow used it before me, uh, Scott. Uh, gosh, darn it! Passed away from uh, brain cancer. When he was was real young, that's when I started using it. Is when he had to get out of business. Uh, God, I forget his last name. A real nice man, but I saw him in uh, let's see, Minnesota, Duluth, Minnesota, and he asked me where his uh, uh, percentage checks were because he thought that that uh, he should get some money for me using that hole. We laughed a lot <laughs> about that. But he was a real nice man, but he passed away not long after that. God, I wish I could remember his last name. As soon as we hang up, I will. But, but you know, for Minnesota, a big old guy named Scott, and I, I just forget forget his last name. I got to say, we're uh, I, I'm drawing a blank, John. I don't know if you're drawing a blank here. I'm kind of disappointed uh, in the two of us uh, right now with, uh, with Cowboy Earl. Bob here. Scott Irwin, there you go. Scott Irwin, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he had a brother that wrestled, too. Yeah, Bill Irwin, yep. Yeah, yeah. But again, you know, that's another, it's a, a great legendary family. And like I said, we talked to your brother, Barrio, oh gosh, about two months ago. And, you know, we learned a lot about growing up with your dad in the business and then kind of how you guys, you know, he said he looked up to you. And, you know, even though, he was younger than you, you know. He said uh, when he when you called him a little punk, and you know you're he's, you're out doing your thing. He still loved you to death, but kind of following in your dad's footsteps was that just your ultimate dream at that point to be a wrestler? Uh, and did you think it would be such a family tradition watching your brother and then Randy obviously getting in? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always wanted to wrestle. I started wrestling when I was nine in Florida. I'd won a few state championships and stuff. And anyway, you know, I really enjoyed the wrestling. And I started to go to uh, uh, Springfield, Missouri to uh, SMS, but I didn't really want to go to school. I wanted to get into pros. And so I went down to Florida when Dad was down there and started working out. And they made me uh, a referee until I got up to. It's a 210, I think, is what they wanted me to get up to. I probably weighed about 185 when I got down there, so I refereed for for about a half a year, you know, until I got my weight up. And uh, then I got to wrestle. And that Florida territory, obviously, is one of the most uh, famous and now looked upon as uh, really such a breeding ground for so many great uh, individuals who came through there, but I, I got to say, you know, just growing up watching your dad, did you have a favorite match of his, or was basically it was every match of your dad's a favorite? Oh, I enjoyed them all. You know, back in that day, he wrestled with uh, Cowboy Bob Ellis and Eddie Graham. Uh, uh, Ira Matsuda Lutez, I think, was a champion most of the time. Dad, dad wrestled. I got to, to watch him wrestle all them guys. Sam Steamboat. You know, I got to watch him wrestle all them guys, and I just loved the business, you know, from the first time I saw it, I really enjoyed, you know, going to the matches with Dad, and, and uh, you know, that's when I decided, I think I was still a little kid, when I decided that's what I wanted to do. And again, to team with your dad, like we mentioned, if you team him with Randy, obviously another huge thing, so when you team with Randy, did you uh, did you kind of channel those days of teaming with your dad as well, and uh, and how he might have uh, bestowed upon you some uh, words of wisdom before you guys got in the ring? Did you kind of pass that along to Randy? Oh, of course, of course. I tried to to give him all my knowledge. You know, I tried to give him everything I'd ever learned. You know, it's what you do with your son, I guess. He picked up on everything pretty. Pretty good. I guess history, I'll I'll tell you that, 13-time world champion. Oh, my gosh, yeah, and still more to come. But I I just got to ask one last thing about you with your dad. You know, you guys, uh, obviously, you know, Bob Wharton Sr., Bob Wharton Jr., you know, the two of you, did you ever have any kind of inkling to not use the Orton name, or were you always looking to carry on your dad's legacy? Oh yeah, yeah. I was, you know, Bob Orton. That's that's what I was going to be from the time I started. I, I'd never change, change that. I was proud of what Dad did, you know, just like I'm proud of Randy. So, so no, there was never any question that I would, you know, would change my name or anything. No. But you are the ace, so we got to say. Uh, you got a pretty damn good nickname to go along with uh, having a great name to follow like your dad's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Roddy's idea. Wanted to call me something. <laughs> he figured he'd get away with A's. <laughs> As we start to wind it down here, you've literally had a, like an amazing career. We've just talked about kind of the, the, the brief highlights, but there's been so many different great territories you were in and great matches you were involved with, whether it be AWA, All Japan, New Japan, Mid-South. We talked a little bit about Mid-Atlantic and JCP and NWA and stuff like that, but do you have any favorite matches looking out or any matches that stand out to you above the others? Well, I guess... Uh... My first match was Bob Backlund at the Garden, and then I wrestled a lot. Oh, yeah. I think those are, are probably two that, you know, that really stand out for me. You know, I think the Garden has a lot to do with it, but uh, uh, Hogan on uh, uh, Saturday Night Main Event, that's another one. You know, there's there's been a few, but... You know, when you wrestle the best all over the world like that, you know, it's kind of hard to to choose one. But 
And I used to try to have a great match every night I went out. So, you know, I had a lot of great matches as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I don't know about that. would be an understatement. Folks, but, but I uh, really enjoyed what I did. There's no doubt about that. That would definitely be an understatement because, you know, whether you work in the territories, whether you're doing uh, Angelo Papo's promotion, working with Randy Savage or, you know, or Ronnie Garvin, it always seemed like you yeah. brought the best out of so many guys. Did you kind of feel that about yourself? Like you can have a good match with anybody, but you were always going to bring out the best out of some of those guys? Well, that's why I went out there. Let's have a great match. And, and uh, the guys you mentioned were all great performers, so, so it was really easy to have a great match with those those guys, you know. And, uh, being the heel, you're kind of in control. But uh, so you can you can take things in, in the direction you want to go. And that's kind of what I did. You know, I just messed around a little bit out there, messed around a little bit, and I found out what the people were were buying, and boom, you go in that direction and, and work off of that, and, and things just fall into place, you know. It's... So like riding a bike. Well said, uh, for sure. And I think so many people remember, you know, you and Piper and, and you and Orndorff for, you know, a bit. But then there was also you and Dick Slater were always a cool combo as well. And then when Harley yeah, Race kind yeah, of thrown yeah. in the mix as well. Did you like that, uh, that era of, of your career as well? Because you always seem to mesh well with these other, like, crazy, crazy guys. Always seem to mesh well together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Slater and I was probably one of the best tag teams ever. The Road Warriors. Uh, I doubt if there's anything they did that me and Slater didn't do first, which is a hell of a uh, that kind of a compliment, you know, that they did our stuff like that. Because, but but at the time, me and Dickie was doing it, things weren't nationwide and everything. We were just down there in Atlanta and. And uh, having the time of our lives, I don't know, 24, 25 years old, we were selling out everywhere. So, so you know, that was the life. Do you have a favorite territory that you worked? Obviously, you know, so many people remember you from WWF and you run there, but do you have a favorite territory? Well, uh, I loved Florida. I loved uh, Georgia. I was up in Minneapolis. I thought that was fantastic, too. So, you know, Tennessee, loved Tennessee. Heck, I guess I liked everywhere I was. You know, I, I didn't get out west uh, very often, except for maybe just a shot and then back, you know, back. But, but I, I basically worked the East Coast, I guess. You know, Tennessee and Florida and Georgia and at the time I started with Vince, uh, we were just up there in the Northeast. So, so, uh, but you know, I'd like every place I ever went. You know, there's always things to do and things to see, and, and you know, we're lucky to be in this great country. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah. Absolutely, and going to be hitting the Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Wappinger Falls, New York area coming up here in a couple of weeks. First starting off for NEW in Massachusetts, then heading down to Enfield, Connecticut for Blitz Creek Professional Wrestling, and then ending the weekend the 27th of August in Wappinger Falls, New York for Northeast Wrestling again with our good buddy Nick from Captain's Corner. We want to thank him for making this possible, but we also want to thank Mr. Cowboy Bob Orton for making this possible. But before we let you go, the last question we got to ask you, this is how we end it with everybody. When you look back at your career, you look at everything you've done, and obviously Randy has still got many, many years left in the business to carry on the Orton name, but what do you want fans to remember about the Orton legacy when the book is closed? Oh, just that we all went out there and, and uh, worked our butts off 
tell the people to enjoy the show, you know, enjoy the match. Everybody just works hard. That's what you got to do. But, uh, uh, heck, really looking uh, forward to coming up there to the Northeast. Ain't been up there in a while. It'd be nice to say hi to some folks and and uh, hopefully have a great time up there. I I don't know if I'm getting in the ring or not. But I understand I'll be managing some guys, and I still got a pretty good right jab. So <laughs> look out! I'm, I'm coming up there looking to have a good time, and and for me to have a good time, usually that involves me trying to beat somebody up. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome! Everybody, you can get tickets at Captain Corner's Facebook page. To meet Cowboy Bob Orton, and it's Facebook.com, and type in Captain's Corner. He's got the link to his webpage with all the ticket information. And, again, it's going to be an amazing weekend here at the end of August, the 25th through the 27th in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and New York. And, Cowboy Bob, I hope that that poor schlub that we talked about earlier who came by around WrestleMania 1 is looking for a little revenge. Maybe he'll be on the outside, and you can get, you can get one more parting shot in before the night's over. There we go. That'd make my day. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Cowboy Bob. From the bottom of our hearts, it has been our absolute pleasure. And, again, uh, thank you so much for all the great memories. You were uh, definitely on top of that list of uh, the guys that we've been dying to speak with. I certainly appreciate that, and I thank you guys. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.